all of Lily's Hinge listeners, we appreciate you. You're welcome. Hello, and welcome to Groovy Movies. My name is Lily Austin. And my name is James Brailsford. Hello. Hello, hello. And this week we are talking about Grizzly Man, Werner Herzog's 2005 documentary about Timothy Treadwell, the bear enthusiast who died at their hands. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, I mean, spoiler, because I was, I was watching it, because uh, I've never seen it before. It's one of these films that I... Uh, my friends always told me it's a great film and you'll love it, which of course immediately put me off. Um, but because <laughs> just that's just how I used to roll, and I still do a bit. But um, <laughs> but so I was watching it for the first time and loving it from the get go. But I was like, oh god, are we going to spoil this if we? Because uh, but it, almost immediately you are notified that the main character, the subject of the documentary, die is dead. So yeah. it's you know not really a spoiler. It's kind of the it's kind of the through line of the film. Yeah, he could have made that kind of film, couldn't he, where he starts off alluding to something that might happen and then we get this horror... It could have totally been that film. That would have been the Netflix version of the movie for sure. But right from the beginning, from the very first scene, you see the title card kind of come up saying Timothy Treadwell, 1957 to 2003, and you know that he's going to die. It's kind of inevitable. That, and that's how Herzog presents it, right? That it's inevitable that he would die this way. Yeah, and, and then, then, but knowing he dies, it's like there's this ticking clock over the whole film. It's like, oh, how does it get there? You know what? We've not talked about... Uh, I know, Monroe. I know. I love that we love this film. I really wanted to talk to you about my trauma of watching Blonde this week, but we've already like got straight into Grizzly Man. I don't know if, we, I can, just... I don't know if we can pedal back from that right now. But I'm up for it if you want to hear me rant a little bit more. And I call it Monroe, the film called Blonde. What am I thinking? But can, okay, can I just very quickly talk to you about Blonde and how awful it was? Of course you can, Lily, because, you know, uh, it, it's rare that I get like a post-film anything from you. And I'm the same, like I think, occasionally maybe. But the other, the other night... You always other... give me a post-film message and I love it. I love, <laughs> oh. I love your sort of, I don't know, maybe weekly, daily little... Updates on how a movie was. That's what I'm here for. God, my, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, but I, I guess maybe what I meant was more. I've never really heard you incensed at a film. You know, yeah. you were quite upset. So much so that you sent me a voice memo, which you rarely we rarely voice memos. So I was like, wow, Lily really means business with blonde. I Talk know. to me. Well, I know. Well, it was just having talked to you about the site. Was that last last time we recorded? About my gift for telling what what's gonna what I'm gonna feel about a film from the trailer. Yes. The tra- Lily Lily Austin, the trailer whisperer. Well, that's it. But and to be fair, when I saw the trailer, I thought it looked terrible. But I kind of let the critics get in my head a bit, and there there were some rave reviews about this movie, talking about how it was, you know, a kind of a monstrous depiction of Marilyn Monroe's life in a kind of compelling way you know so I kind of thought oh maybe the kind of hammy overdramatic scenes of the film actually a, a deliberate choice that will be quite great to watch so I was kind of excited to see it um and no no it's just an exploitative 
Exploitative how, how Lily? Because I I've, I only watched the first ten minutes on Netflix because you said don't watch it, and and then so on Netflix is like teehee, I'll just have a little cheeky look and see <laughs> before I told you off for watching. Yeah, yeah, I feel, yeah. You, know, you sound like a dictator. <laughs> James, have you been watching Blonde? I, I implore what, anyone what, to watch it because I I know people disagree with me, so I'm kind of interested to hear other points of view on it. But for me, there is so much in this film about how she is sexualized and kind of taken advantage of in a as a kind of as a sexual object and being objectified and it just felt very much like a a, you know male gaze kind of view of her it felt like we were all complicit in in her mistreatment and her kind of abuse basically like I felt really dirty watching it because it didn't it was just the constant kind of it was almost like sort of trauma porn mixed with this like these glamorous depictions of her that it felt right. really gross but having said that at the heart of it Anna de Armas performance is amazing and really compelling and that in itself I almost found kind of confronting because I liked very much watching those scenes of her literally scene by scene doing a parody or not even a parody just a straight up imitation of these iconic scenes from Marilyn Monroe's film oeuvre and it was really kind of weird and uncanny to be so entranced by watching this very this this woman be just as captivating and be and so it felt like very precisely imitating her. It was it was weird. Do you think that the filmmaker wanted you to feel like a bit grubby? I mean, do, do you think it was intentional? I've not seen it, and I'm, I'm not defending. It. I'm just just no. I think I think probing. I, yeah, I think definitely. I think that was very deliberate. And so Andrew Dominant, the director, I'm sure he would feel happy with this reaction to an extent. Like that was the whole right. point. But there's such a fine line between showing something and then and doing it yourself. You know showing someone it's the same with um the wolf of wall street you know that film allegedly shows misogyny but in so doing it also performs misogyny and there's no need for that you know plenty of films show misogyny without that kind of lens without you having to be in implicated in it you know yeah I, I was a bit uncomfortable with Wolf of Wall Street maybe it wasn't I don't know I, I, I took the trailer a few of my friends were like oh Wolf of Wall Street Leonardo DiCaprio's character is so funny so cool I was like he punches his he punches his wife in the stomach. You yeah. know, it's like he's he, he you know I don't and I you know I don't think he should be glorified as this ha ha cool character and and I don't think the film was trying to do that. I don't I think, think it um, was. I think right, it was. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but uh, you know, but that's I, I another rant. That was the other movie which I ran. I actually <laughs> literally at one point was almost like shouting at the screen in the cinema. I was so incensed because it was just so boring as well. It was which gross to watch about, well, Wolf Monroe. of Wall Street. This is like oh, getting Wolf- into a new rant now. <laughs> wow, I, I, I was fully engaged Wolf of Wall Street. For all its flaws, I found it very entertaining. Oh, and just I kind found of kept going the, like, the, the dialogue indulgent. It's like, we can edit half this out. I get the point. They're on Quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, yeah, I, I thought for a three-hour-plus film, it was it was quite pacey. I thought it was a good... Thelma oh. Schumacher did another cracking editing job. There. Oh, um, God. Okay, well... But for me, but, but, anyway, but, 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 but here, here's my question to you, Lily Austin, is let's say in an alternate universe, they have fired the director of Blonde because it just isn't working out. And they're like, Lily, we need you to save the day. How, are you gonna, how can you save this picture? Well, first of all, I'd hire Lynn Ramsey to make the film. <laughs> Excellent. And second of all, I just think, I don't think biopics work as a as when they're told through 
telling the character's whole life story, you know? That's that's too right. much to fit into what I would like to be less than two hour long film. And you can say a lot more about a person just by, you know, picking one moment in their life. But I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know. I feel very weird about us digging up Hollywood's graveyard and, you know, which seems to be happening more and more at the moment. There are so many films coming out about Hollywood stars. Because it's like, uh, it's a known in IP, isn't it? People know Marilyn Monroe. So you do a biopic. You know, it's just an obvious Hollywood, like they need something to, they need people, to brand recognition. Well, I, I read a very interesting article, actually, um, about this current trend, because apparently Chris Evans is going to be in, is going to play Gene Kelly in a film soon, and Rooney oh, Mara really? is going to play Audrey Hepburn in this okay. Luca Guadagino biopic. So it's obviously like a, a trend right now, but this article argued that this is actually a kind of new phenomenon. Usually Hollywood, they, they love to do biopics about stars, but not generally Hollywood ones. Um, but because of the way the film industry has shifted over the last few years, stars aren't the ones that bring you to the box office anymore. It's franchises. I mean, just about what you messaged yep. me saying that um, that Julia Roberts, George Clooney film, Ticket to Paradise, the fact that that was only 35 million to make, you know, clearly it wasn't the stars. I mean, they are, they are the draw, of course, but this is yeah. becoming, this isn't the way that you go to cinema. And so it's almost like in order, we don't have stars anymore. You know, the biggest... Yep. But like movie stars, they're not they're associated with with the characters they play, not themselves. And so this article was saying that maybe this is Hollywood trying to create stars by getting them to imitate other ones and kind of by osmosis right. they'll then be associated with that. But obviously that's not really gonna work. You're only ever gonna look like a poor comparison surely yeah yeah i i i see it's that's an interesting point because you're right because uh, the, the the film star as we used to know it i think is very is kind of disappearing or is is going if yeah. not already gone and like you know we've now got people who have youtube channels and tiktoks that are you know that they, they are now the new celebrities and stars yeah um, but, and, but then most of the population won't know them because celebrity is so siloed yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I I feel better from having spoken to you about this. I just really needed to, I needed to process to the trauma of that film. <laughs> um, but let's get on with actually talking about a good film. What Chris we're here Man, for. What we're here for. Let us return to the wonderful documentary that is Grizzly Man. Um, I think because we, I've... And I think a lot of people, but I certainly watch quite a few uh, Netflix feature docs um, that are beautifully made, and the stories are really compelling and interesting. I I kind of haven't watched a pure cinema doc in a, in a while, I think. And watching Grizzly Man, I was like, oh god, I'd forgotten. Having watched a bit too many Netflix uh, docs, the fact that <laughs> this is something different. This isn't just the story told in a very glossy fashion. It's a piece of cinema. It gives you it gives you a total cinema experience where you see things you have never seen before and you feel things that maybe you haven't ordinarily felt because it's it's an authored documentary. Um, you know, it's the hand of its director Werner Herzog is very apparent from every from the very beginning. You know, he's in the voiceover. He pops up just a little little bit on camera he's clearly conducting all the interviews it's it's an authored documentary told yeah. from his world you know it's his world view versus the subject timothy treadwell yeah exactly because because the film it it's a combination of basically this guy timothy treadwell he spent 13 years in the alaskan peninsula every summer for 13 years he would go and live with the grizzly bears 
allegedly with the purpose of protecting them from poachers. So you quite <laughs> the defender of the bears. Exactly. And you quite quickly learn that there isn't really any danger that he's protecting them from. But at the same time, he's filming himself throughout. He has a handheld camera with him and he's documenting his life there and kind of creating this persona of, of this. Yeah, this character and he's doing it all himself so the the film even the first shot of him is is he's clearly got the camera on a tripod and he sets it recording and then he walks into shot and then he kind of switches into character you can almost see the, the kind of like the performative element come on so you know we are seeing the, the fact that it's very he's just kind of him in his this world that he's created and even documenting it it's not like there's somebody holding the camera or asking him questions there's nobody like challenging his worldview um at the time and in fact i think what werner herzog is doing in the documentary he's providing that like challenging or disagreeing with his points but posthumously i guess yeah because herzog's voiceover comes in throughout the film and he kind of puts forward how he sees it as timothy's view on the world basically this kind of disnification of of the natural world his anthropomorphizing these bears and seeing them as very cute he gets so close to them at various <laughs> points so close. and he names it's them all cute names for yeah brown bears sergeant brown is one of them <laughs> what's another one sunset or something i don't know and um and then you have herzog's voiceover coming in basically saying no i disagree with this the dominant nature of nature is that it's chaos and hostility chaos and, and murder, <laughs> and murder. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, timothy thinks that uh, the world is he lives in harmony with the animals but i think the world is getting he's like yes werner the world is chaos there's no way that that man should have survived 30 minutes next to brown bears let alone 13 years worth of visits at the summer which is I, I know he died eventually but he survived for 13 years that's crazy yeah which is exactly the thing because on the one hand Herzog is right the way Timothy interacts with these bears is insane and he's continuously putting himself in danger but he says that all the time he's not completely irrational he yeah. talks frequently about how they could kill him and he does, he, as you say, he he survived thirteen years there, and he and he ha he does have a way with animals. There's a fox that follows him around that he films. He's obviously befriended over many summers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because this is the thing about that one one of the many aspects, and possibly the key aspect is this footage that Timothy Treadwell shocks. It's not just him presenting little bits to camera. It's him right in the middle of, of these brown bears in the, is it called the grizzly maze, he calls it? Yeah, that's what he yeah. calls it, yeah. And, 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 and like, you know, I've never seen footage like this. I don't think there is any, where there's a, a human being interacting at close quarters with a bear and for the vast majority of the time, not getting mauled to death. And, yeah. And, you know, so, and, and so it is, like, uh, Werner mentions in his voiceover something about how he feels that this footage is very cinematic, because it is, because you are seeing something kind of magical, like good cinema shows you something you've never seen before. And, you know, I've certainly never seen that kind of footage before. So that's one of the elements that makes this a special documentary. You, you ain't seen nothing like it. Yeah, he says that. He says something like the likes of which the studio directors with their union crews can only Oh, yes. Yeah. Is, is Herzog anti-union? Is that a dick? Well, can you imagine? Hey, Brad Pitt, we need you just to go up to those actual brown bears. We're not going to do it in CG. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. You know, we, we need the magic, Brad. Yeah. But, so there's this one part of the film, which is that you're seeing this incredible footage that you wouldn't see in a nature documentary, let alone. Well, it's, 
it's not that you wouldn't see, you you know, the, the amazing cameras these days with nature documentaries, you do get footage of bears up close, but the interaction of a human with bear crossing over that invisible borderline that Herzog describes is incredible and hopefully will never be seen again. Like it's, it's completely insane and unique. But then what Herzog is really kind of mulling over throughout the film is what this says about Timothy Treadwell as a person because he is obviously working through a, something with doing this. We're going to this extreme of yeah. basically trying to leave the human world as much as possible and just being on his own with bears with his camera as his only companion. It's... It, it's interesting because yeah you are you are constantly thinking what kind of a person does this and so that's what the i guess one of the elements of the film is trying to unravel what kind of person is timothy treadwell and he's like a bit of a fantasist he seems yeah. quite much of a loner and you know and you never really get a, a definitive answer and that's not the point of the documentary but you do watch it thinking what what is he like literally what's he like what, what's what's <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, exactly, because, well, I remember, so I watched this film at the uh, at the Shetland Film Fest when I was here this summer. They had a screening of it because it was Werner Herzog's 80th birthday. And I saw one of the guys I befriended when I'd come out of the cinema and I was like, oh, what did you think of the film? And he was like, oh, it's just so sad. And I did find it sad too in a way, but that wasn't actually the dominant feeling I had from it because there was something to me kind of weirdly life-affirming about seeing someone be so happy in this ex extreme environment but finding he kind of almost it seems like they don't really go into how he ends up being someone who's camping out with bears every summer but in the footage he clearly is he's brought is almost brought to tears when he talks about how happy is he is being there and I think there's something kind of amazing about that as someone finding such an extreme solution to their kind of in a turmoil absolutely and, and, and being happy in it even if it's like you're literally on the precipice of death the whole time in order to find this human what does he call it this ecstatic joy there's some phrase Werner Herzog used about human ecstasies or something okay I can't remember that <laughs> it's, yeah you... I don't know I found find that kind of compelling so I don't find that bit of it I, of course it's sad that he died I mean the real tragedy is that his girlfriend died yeah absolutely with him that is really disturbing yeah and uh, but 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 what's interesting is that um there were 100 hours of tapes uh, recorded by Timothy Treadwell and mm. um they he even managed to rec record uh, probably accidentally um his death was recorded on one of these tapes the camera the, the lens cap was on the um on the camera so it's just the audio yeah. but um you know the, the and I, I was watching this thinking, are we going to hear that? And there is a scene, an incredible scene, where um, where Werner Herzog is talking to Jewel, who is his, um, Timothy Treadwell's ex-girlfriend. And she says, I've got the tape, the tape of, of when Timothy died. And, and he and, and Werner Herzog listens to it. And um, Yeah, you, you see know, just like, the side of his head, right, as he, and, but you're, the camera is facing Jewel. So you're watching her reaction to, to him. him listening, yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of horrified. His like, hand is in his head. And you've got to remember, Van Herzog is also an actor. He's played him <laughs> himself and he's played bad guys in like multiple films. So part of me was like, is he hamming it up a little bit? But I mean, I'm sure it was completely traumatizing. I mean, I can't imagine listening to something like that. He describes hearing them screaming and, and Amy trying to stop Timothy being 
killed. It's kind of, there's something funny about it, right? Because he says, you know, no one should hear this. And I read this interview where he talks about how there was no way I was going to play it. There's some privacy in death and it would have been completely unethical. But it's still there in the film, you know, even in seeing Herzog's reaction or seeing Jules' reaction to Herzog listening to it, we're really aware of this. So it still looms very large in it, even oh. if we're not actually hearing it ourselves, which I guess is a good way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I was interested in how are they going to, you know, are, you know, I was always thinking, are we going to finally hear the tape? Are we not? And then when it got to that scene that we've just described, I just thought, no, he's been very clear that you should never listen to this and you should destroy it. So I was like, Well, okay. yeah, that's what he says to Jewel, right? He's like, you must <laughs> never listen to this. You must destroy it because she hasn't actually heard it herself. And she's like, no, yeah, I won't. I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> like he's some kind of wise elder who is, is guiding her. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like, because he, he comes across, he's like, Werner always knows the wise, profound things to say. Because if I was doing that and I put the headphones on and listen to it, I'd just be like, I wouldn't know what to say, probably a bit, bit awkward, mutter something, and then like, anyway, moving on. Whereas Werner, he has a profound thing to say about to her, and uh, you know. But but you're right. Is it is it is it performative or is it real? I I don't know. Is it such an enigma, isn't he, Werner? Werner but I mean, he always talks about how documentary is performative you know he has no time for cinema verite the kind of fly on the wall naturalized kind of documentary form he doesn't believe in portraying documentary footage as true so I'm sure he would say yeah of course it is but I mean it's interesting with him him telling her to destroy it he's a filmmaker he's telling he's telling this woman to destroy the last footage of this filmmaker who he is creating a documentary about through that filmmaker's material and that's kind of what makes the film so interesting is that it's the the dialogue between Treadwell and Herzog. You know, they're kind of meeting across time. He's he, we're show, he's 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 the one editing together this footage and acknowledging. He he talks about how Treadwell captured some really beautiful moments. Yeah, he's treating Treadwell as another filmmaker. You know, and he's having a dialogue with him, and he will point out where he disagrees with him and where he admires him. You know, so it, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, especially when you think about like how Herzog was, he likes to think of himself as being a filmmaker who goes to the extremes, right? Herzog made that documentary about volcanoes into the inferno. And in that, he he was there filming with active volcanoes, could have at any moment been killed. And Treadwell is a filmmaker who literally had so much about capturing this footage that he recorded himself while he was being killed. He is the director who went to the extreme. Yeah. And I think there's obviously something with Herzog arguing against Treadwell's beliefs in life, but then also seeing something of himself in him. That's a very good, very good point, actually, isn't it? Is is that I think, I hadn't thought of that at all, actually. The, the, yeah, he kind of, yeah, there's a kindred spirit somewhere. They differ, but yeah, you're right. They're both filmmakers who, I mean, like you can't get more extreme than being surrounded by brown bears. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny because he's such a treadwell I mean he's a filmmaker who on the one hand he's like a child like Herzog talks about very that, childlike yeah. he's gonna be a child like he's creating this character and he shoots various takes of him taking on this persona of the like protector of the bears like he's almost like a ninja or something and then other footage he's being confessional and just talking very candidly to the to the camera as if it's a friend of his and I was just thinking that this film probably would resonate a lot more with audiences today than it did that. I mean, it did really well at the box office then, but it just, it, this is what we're all doing. You know, he's using this camera as a kind of form of self-actualization of making himself feel connected. And that's what we're all encouraged to do with filmmaking all the time today with videoing ourselves on our ca- on our phones. 
Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point that I hadn't hadn't even thought of. Is that that he's essentially a content creator, but with no audience, exactly. Uh, or at least when, when he was creating all this hundred hours of footage, there was nobody to see it. Uh, the idea being, at some point, he was going to make some kind of film himself from it. But but now he would be uh, TikToking all the time, or uploading videos to YouTube regularly, getting an audience. A lot of people, you know, he would be he would be interacting with the audience that he was hoping to connect with. You know, and, yeah, and I'm sure. I'm sure now he would have been able to connect with his audience much better than he could have, even if he had released a TV show or his own film back then. You know, now I think the the way that people can reach an audience, I think he would have had, he could well have been a successful uh, nature guy. TikToker, yeah. And then people would be like, "Can can you please look after yourself a bit more? Stop going so close to the bears. Yeah, do you think he, do you think he would have, had a happier life and maybe have not ended the way he had if he'd been around now, if he'd have actually had an audience rather than an imagined one. Because he does strike me as someone who's fairly lonely. Though, yeah. He, though he, can I just say, he claims to like not do very well with ladies and not really understand, but he seemed to have had quite a few girlfriends and all these women in the film, all these <laughs> supporting kind of characters, these people who are into by Herzog all seem to be in love with him. Like it's yeah, yeah. a little bit cult leaderish. It feels like, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I know. Well, I mean, because they call him. The, he, he references the grizzly people. Yeah. And he, his little bunch of friends, they're grizzly people. So yeah, it's quasi cultish, isn't it? Or you know, it's definitely a little group that they've got. A little bit, yeah. And and like 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 most cults, you have to believe something crazy, which is we can live in harmony with brown bears. Exactly. There is definitely something culty there, isn't there? But that's the thing, it's it, with that with the footage that Herzog picks out, so much of it is showing him doing a scene and then going, okay, another take, and then doing it slightly differently, performing for the camera. He's obviously got something in his mind that he's trying to capture. So there's always this ghost of the film that he wanted to create looming in the background of every shot. And yeah, and like in my head, I'm sure a lot of people watching it, it's like you're trying to figure out what the hell was he trying to make? Because yeah. you know, it's 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 very dis it's all over the shop. Like he even films a footage of just what we call B-roll of of him wandering running around like the the, the forest, uh, the the, the grizzly maze running around it with four different types of outfit because he doesn't know <laughs> in the future when they cut together the film what outfit he's going to be wearing so he's just going to get four different outfits and just run around in them it's like you know it's all over the shop and when he does his retakes what was interesting is he rarely he's it's rarely the same thing it's not like he's gone oh you know what i stumbled over a few lines I need to clarify this it's just it's just another kind of quasi rant you know yeah so one thing i'd like to talk to you about is that, that we don't hear the recording um, of his final moments of being when they were killed by the bear but we do have it described to us by this coroner character who like oh he pops he pops off the screen <laughs> like <laughs> what's going on lily tell me what's going on there what are your thoughts on the coroner guy well that's what's so interesting there are a few people who are interviewed who do seem to be very self-consciously performing they obviously haven't been chosen for their naturalism this coroner, he, he, <laughs> well, first of all, the first scene we see him in it, he's giving Jewel, the ex-girlfriend, a watch. And it's almost like he's reading out a speech. He's really dramatic, like, I'm going to give this to you now as the person who, <laughs> yeah. who was his friend. And, and then there's another scene where he's standing in, in his office, in his hospital room. I don't know what you'd call <laughs> yeah. that place. But, and then he's Is in his it costume. mortuary? Is it like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And he, yeah. and he's just very, yeah, he's just very self-conscious. How would you describe mm. him? 
Yeah, I'd say like very performative, very, I would say dramatic. Like he's not giving a neutral reading and he's not being like hushed tones. He's, he's like acting it out a little bit. And and I have to say, yeah. I kind of like it because it's just a bit off kilter. And, you know, I when it cuts back to him, it just adds a different texture to the film that, you know, we are dealing with extreme personalities. You know, Timothy Treadwell is a, an extreme type of personality. This coroner seems a little bit extreme. You know, the people that he had around him is grizzly people, his little quasi-gang cult. You know, they're also... They're, they're, <laughs> no, a, we don't know that there was a cult. There's only one member of grizzly people that we meet, which is Chul. <laughs> oh, no, what about the other guy who, like, chews the the, the the pilot? Wasn't he part of that as well? No, he was just oh. the pilot. <laughs> oh, sorry. But you're My right. Bad. Everyone that we encounter in this film is slightly weird. I mean, the, the, the thing with that coroner is that he... He obviously f imagines himself to be an actor in this film because he kind of says what he wants to say and then he sort of stops as if you expect the film to cut there, but it doesn't cut. The camera stays on him while he's kind of like looking off. Because I was watching it thinking, I wonder how much uh, Herzog made him be like that. I wonder, or did, is that just what he's like, you know? Well, I mean, if I feel like you would choose, if you wanted it to seem natural and fly on the wall as Herzog never did, apparently does want to you would go for people who were better at being natural i think it's quite yep. deliberate that he ch i don't i can't imagine he would have coached him to be more actually but i'm sure he wouldn't have he clearly liked this this kind of performative mannered performer because the thing is to be honest it's it echoes timothy treadwell's style timothy treadwell's got this very kind of kind well, of formative falsy style and, and they're like they're, they're a little similar in that respect yeah it's like the world that 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 we see in this film is full of people who are all a little bit strange and all performing. Somewhat. Yeah, they've, they've got an idea in their head of how they think they want to come across uh, exactly. and they're presenting it, yeah. Yeah, but I think the greatest thing is that Herzog very carefully, you know, he had over 100 hours of footage to choose from and he could have easily made Timothy Treadwell out, out to be a narcissist and a... And kind of monstrous, really. You know, it's because of him that the that his girlfriend died. You know, it's really yeah. tragic. And he does have shades of narcissism. And there's footage of him ranting about the people who work for the park, the national park, yeah. and stuff. And there are there are unlikable parts of his personality that come through all the time. But then we see other bits too, like Herzog shows kind of every shade of his personality you do really get a full sense of this person i completely agree and i think it just shows uh, what an excellent documentary maker documentarian that Werner, Werner Herzog is is that he he chooses he tr it's clear he's trying to present as much as he can a rounded picture of timothy treadwell you get a bit of everything and you're right it, it could have been very easy to cherry pick the most extreme and ridiculous uh footage of him but here you, you get a a, a what feels like a reasonably balanced picture of, of this character. Yeah. But just to wrap up, can we talk about how funny the film is? Because we I'm worried that I'm in some kind of vacuum where I'm a monstrous, unempathetic person for finding it quite funny. Because everything I read about it, there's no acknowledgement of that whatsoever. Like in the at the end of the screening I saw, there was this Q&A with Werner Herzog that was, had been previously recorded that played after which was so interesting. He talked so earnestly about what the film's message was, which or kind of what the ideas that they're exploring, which is about, you know, nature being treated like it's anthropomorphized and, and you can empathize with it and really know it's dangerous. And he's so kind of earnest that I was like, am I the only one who's 
kind of finds <laughs> it quite funny because there are lots of funny moments, right? There, 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 there are definitely funny moments. And I found myself, I would say I found myself amused. I'm not sure I laughed out loud, but I was I definitely... Um, oh, really? When, when that bat, when he's crying about the bumblebee being dead and then it cuts <laughs> and he's like, oh, the bumblebee, like, oh, it's so sad. He's gone. He's gone forever working, his, doing his duty. And then he just died. Oh, wait, no, he's moved. He's he's moved. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, I, I imagine though for Werner Herzog he's got to take his subject seriously and respect him yeah. so uh, and, and I just think he's attracted to that that kind of person so he doesn't he doesn't see it as an opportunity to like be amused by them I, I don't know you know or, or do you think he really does find it uh, hilarious but he doesn't want to let on you know or, I, I don't know well either that or I'm like does he not find it funny at all do you know what I mean because you're right <laughs> I think he I don't treats know, I mean, these, I, all the people that he interviews, it feels like he treats them with a lot of respect, but that weirdness does come through. It, oh, well, it does, yeah. but then the way he edits it or doesn't, you know, the way that he lets the camera roll, so we see them kind of relaxing out of the camera and looking a bit awkward and self-conscious. Yeah. I don't it, know. I mean, I mean, you know, he's, Werner Herzog is definitely a guy with a brilliant sense of humour. I mean, the, the man was true. a voice on Rick and Morty, you know. That's true. That's true. And yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he um, he he agreed to do the voiceover for a student film where he did the voice of a plastic bag that was floating around. Really? Yeah. In 2010. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> God, that's yeah. good. So you know, he's he, he's definitely a guy who I, I think you know he's he's having fun, um, but but I don't know. I, I just think it would be a bad look if if I saw interviews with Werner Herzog and he was kind of in on the joke or laughing at, at Timothy Treadwell. I probably would think that was slightly in bad taste. Well, yeah, of course, but the film does at certain points. It does. Sh- I don't think it's like wholeheartedly laughing at him, but the film itself it does show the absurdity of him and you could have easily you know I kind of I kind of want them to give I mean a guy died so they shouldn't actually do this but I would love them to give the footage to a load of different I'd love them to give it to one of those Netflix directors who make these documentaries and another one to a few other filmmakers because you could have easily yeah made a film about a narcissistic monster who let his girlfriend be killed you could make it about this childlike playful you know steward for nature there are so many ways you could have made this film and it could have been this big reveal at the end that he was killed but and the humor could easily be lost from it and it just be about this weird character but you get these kind of yeah these moments where you see that side of him it's very much, I, I love, you know, I absolutely love Grizzly Man. And it's what I would consider an author documentary. It's very much the hand of the filmmaker is very clearly, you know, on the footage and on the overall film. When, yeah. we're, you know, when we're not expected to think that this is a um, objective documentary that's just telling you the facts. It's it's a subjective experience uh, that Werner Herzog is in, is in a dialogue with this uh, filmmaker where he's like totally. answering back to him and like responding and disagreeing with him. And, and it's just fascinating to watch because you're right, it's not like you would imagine a Netflix uh, feature doc would be like at all. It's very, it's got, it's got character and it's got a vibe and I <laughs> loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. I'm glad you, I'm glad we're aligned on that. Yeah, it was, honestly, Lily, I, I, it was one of these films that I've always meant to watch and get round to and it was going to be in, it was just floating in the ones to watch pile and I think it would have stayed there for a long time. So I really appreciate that we've, we've done it for this, uh, for this podcast because it was a wonderful experience, a very good documentary. If you yeah. only watch one 
If you watch normally Netflix documentaries, just watch this as if you're going to watch one like off-piste or like slightly more um, experimental documentary, Grizzly Man, absolutely. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's very easy to find online. <clears throat> whatever capacity, whatever your budget. So <laughs> I, I I bought it five ninety nine off uh, Google Play. I mean, I'm not saying anything, but <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Oh no! <laughs> if Hertz closes, he's going to be furious with me. <laughs> but yeah, it is a great movie. So um, absolutely, yeah, definitely, definitely give it a watch if you can. All right, well. That's it for another week of Groovy Movies. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast. Download our next episodes and follow us on Instagram at Groovy Movies Pod and email us at GroovyMoviesPod at gmail.com if you want to tell us we're wrong or you're offended or you love <laughs> us. We're open to all kinds of feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. And a special shout out to all my followers from Hinge. It's a great place for a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've yet to start cross promoting um, the podcast on my dating profiles, but you know, in, in but but, but seeing as though you've done it, I feel like uh, I have to do it as well, and I will. I mean, I don't know if they were just saying that, but I've got my nicest feedback from, from that. Route, so it seems <laughs> to be working from well. from guys who are trying to date you have given you nice feedback. Talk about. <laughs> I will take biased. any good food. I'm very, I'm very good at taking compliments. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believe what they're saying. <laughs> Listen, any, any more listeners, the barrier. All of, all of Lily's hinge uh, <laughs> listeners, we appreciate you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, again, thanks for listening, and um, we'll see Thank you, you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.